I think what makes Owu special is the size and is the care people have for this community. People really care about each other. I've worked at four different institutions now across the nation. I worked at a school in Chicago. I worked at a school in D.C. And I've never seen faculty care about and know students as well as they do at Owu. I've never seen folks be as on such a first-name basis, regardless of a student's affiliation, right? Owu is a place where it's like, we know who you are, you know who we are, we're all a part of this community together. Welcome to Bishop Banter, your guide to Owu. Here are your hosts, Ohio Wesleyan alumni, Courtney Dunn and Connor Green. Welcome back to Bishop Banter, your guide to Owu. I'm Connor. And I'm Courtney. And today we're going to be bantering about how Ohio Wesleyan is talking about inclusion and the initiatives that our students are promoting regarding inclusion. And I'm super excited to dive deeper into the resources that students have to support their efforts to be as inclusive as possible of all identities on campus. Connor, I would love your insight on why are we talking about this and why is this important to campus as well as prospective students? Yeah, of course. Uh, This one is actually really personal to me. So one of the biggest reasons I actually decided to come to OU was because I wanted to go somewhere where I could meet people from all types of different walks of life. Uh, People from different states, different countries, different racial, ethnic, religious, and sexual orientation backgrounds. And OU was a place that not only had tons of different people, um, but tons of different ways to celebrate and support those different people. Um, We have things like Culture Fest and Pride and OMSA that are there to help students dive in, understand, and express all of who they are. Um, And having that type of support was something that just meant so much to me, um, which is why I wanted to dive into it just to learn a little bit more. I love that, Connor. And I love that it was such a big part about why you chose to come to Ohio Wesleyan, because there are so many amazing ways to get involved, but also it's such a welcoming community to all identities. Um, So I'm really excited to talk with Charles Kellum and banter a little bit more about inclusion today. Welcome back to another episode of Bishop Vanter, your guide to OWU. Uh, today, we are here with Charles Kellum, the Assistant Dean in the Office of Multicultural Student Affairs. That's a mouthful. No, uh, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, well, Charles, well, we're really happy you're here. Could you introduce yourself a little bit and then tell us about your role here on campus and just what all you're involved in? Yeah, so um, like you said, my name is Charles Kellum. I just go by Charles. I identify he, him, his. This is my third year at OWU. I'm originally from Cincinnati, Ohio. Been doing multicultural work in higher ed for coming up on 14 years now, which is really crazy. I know I sound like I just got out of college, maybe, or I want to pretend like I do in my brain. But um, yeah, I've been doing this for a while and just excited to be here at OWU. Uh, originally from Cincinnati, went to the University of Dayton, got my bachelor's and my master's there in journalism and English. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, we're, we're really happy to have you here. We wanted to talk about the OMSA office and what you do here. Um, And and I personally am really interested in just inclusion on our campus and what that means for Ohio Wesleyan. 
that was a point for me that made me want to come mm-hmm. to, to OU was I got to meet people from all over the place, people that I wasn't always um, uh, put in front of in high school. Uh, and, and for me, coming here to meet people from all over the place, from different backgrounds, uh, ethnic, religious, racial, uh, sexual orientations, it was eye-opening for me. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about what the OMSA office does? And um, yeah. Yeah, so the formal mission of our office is to embrace the culture of social justice on campus. Um, How we do that is through cultural education, cultural engagement, and cultural enrichment. Um, Those are really technical terms, so I won't go into the definitions, but suffice to say, we take the lead on providing support for students of color, which we um, define as any student who doesn't solely identify as white, any low-income students, so if you qualify for a Pell Grant, are lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, queer, questioning, intersex, and or asexual students, and our um, first-generation college students. And for first-gen, we have a really broad definition for my department. We define that as any student who, if at least one of your parents didn't graduate from a four-year institution in the United States at the traditional age. So if you have older siblings who went to college but your parents didn't, you would still be first-gen. If mom went to Harvard but dad never went to college, you would still be first-gen. If your parents went to college, you know, later in life, maybe in their 30s or after they'd already started working, you would still be first gen. And we make that definition intentionally broad to be as inclusive as possible, to bring as many folks in, recognizing that there are so many unwritten rules to college that you may or may not know um, and wanting to invite more people to come get that information from us rather than feeling like people maybe don't count for some reason. Um, I really appreciate your point about, you know, meeting people of difference and like coming in and meeting folks that you never would have met before. Uh, Something that's really important for my office and that I want to say for our listeners is that, you know, kind of a rhetorical question. What happens if you're if you are that student that other folks haven't met? Right. Like if you are that person that um, other students maybe look at and say, well, I've never met anybody like you before. And like at a place like Owu, you can end up having that experience over and over and over again in a day. Right. And if you have five classes, you might have that happen to you five times a day, then back in the dorms, then back at uh, your lunch hall or something. Um, And we try to be a home away from home for all of those students, right, to create a place where you can show up and not feel like you have to explain things, not feel like you are so different all the time. And don't get me wrong, I think every student of any identity goes through that feeling at some point, right, where you feel like you're the only one, maybe you're the only one from your high school, or you're the only one who doesn't get the material in class, or you're the only one that doesn't like the camp experience or something. Um, And all of that plays out in very different ways, depending on who you are. And for all of us, it's important to have a sense of home and a sense of security and support. And so that's kind of what OMSA tries to do in a nutshell. I love that. I think that putting something as big as your office into a nutshell like that is hard to do. And I appreciate the insight that you provided in saying um, there is a place in a home away from home for all students on Ohio Wesleyan's campus. And um, I would love to hear a little bit more. You speak about first-gen students and having opportunities for them and how you classify a first-gen student. What do they come to your office to learn about or what type of resources can your office provide for those students? Yeah. So first-gen students come to our office in a number of different ways. Um, We do advertise explicitly that we have support and services for first-gen students. Um, There is a UC160 class, so the incoming first-year student class that everyone is required to take. There's a section of that specifically for first-gen students. Um, The person, one of the people who teaches that is Paul Dean, 
and he works really closely with our office. We do a number of different events, um, workshops, often in conjunction with career services for first-gen students. Um, but also, we just try to create a space for folks to get together and talk about what it's like to maybe be the first one in your family to go to college. Um, something stereotypically that happens, you know, your family won't necessarily understand the type of routines that you're going through, right? They may not understand why you're spending so much time studying, why you're spending so much time just being involved on campus in ways maybe you didn't in high school. Um, if you're a low-income student or coming from a lower socioeconomic status, college is a great way to change and raise that, right? But then as a result, it can often feel like you're losing something maybe back at home. And so being able to reconnect with folks who are maybe going through something similar can be really powerful, really liberating for students. Um, one of the other ways that first-gen students in particular get connected with our office is through our Summer Bridge program. So the Summer Bridge program is open to any incoming first-year student at OWU. It's completely free. You get to move in early and spend three weeks taking a class and learning about different resources on campus. Uh, the mission of that program is to equip students with the uh, skills to thrive at Ohio Wesleyan. And while it is open to all students, we specifically put priority on first-gen and or low-income students. We also um, put priority on students of color and our LGBTQ students because, again, those are the populations OMSA primarily serves. So the application for that always opens in the spring, usually April or May. You find out if you've been uh, selected to participate by the end of May, and then the program usually starts in July. Uh, so again, you get to move in on campus early, and because of that, it goes right into camp and orientation. So once you come, you don't have to worry about trying to fly or travel back home and then come back again. Um, we also offer incentives for participating in the program. So for example, two years ago, we were able to give um, MacBook Airs to about 10 students who participated in the program, brand new, fresh out of the box. Um, MacBooks if you participated. So we haven't finalized what the incentive is going to be for this year. Um, so that's upcoming, but we always have something. Um, in addition, the program takes students on a number of different so, uh, social activities in and outside of Col the Columbus area to help them bond. So we go to, like la last year we went to Laser Tag and Cheesecake Factory one time. We took them to the observatory down the street. Um, we did a walking food tour of Columbus where they just spent like three hours walking around the short north. Um, the Short North is a kind of social area in Columbus, so almost specifically called North High Street, with a bunch of restaurants and other cultural activities, museums. And so students got to walk around there for three hours and eat a whole bunch of different food for free and stuff like that. Um, so it's just a really good time, and it's a really powerful program um, that we've been excited to bring to OWU. So those are the main ways that first-gen students connect with the office. Yeah, I love that. The, the Summer Bridge program is one that... I'm very excited to be here to witness. No, thank you. Uh, it, it 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 empowers students to learn all of the things and all the resources that are here, and be excited for college. Mm -hmm. Be excited to step in and, and meet people from all over the place, and, and just get involved with their education and what that's going to be like. Um, yeah, I, I just absolutely. No, thank I'm you. excited. For <laughs> this is going to be our third year, so it's still okay. brand new at Ohio Wesleyan. Mm -hmm. I'm just really proud of all the positive impact it's had so far. Can you elaborate a little bit more on what that positive impact has been and some of those students who have matric matriculated through that program and what they're saying they're taking away and what is most useful yes. from that? So student, I think students who have been through it, the number one thing they say is the best is just the relationships that they build. You know, it can be nerve-wracking for any student going to college, regardless if you're first-gen, regardless of your income status. It's like, I'm moving away from home, um, I'm becoming more independent, 
college is supposed to be this big thing that everybody claims is going to transform my life. Is that really going to happen? And what happens if I mess up or something like that? Um, so just having some time before classes start, before orientation starts, before camp with folks who are in a similar boat, who are excited to talk about these issues, who are getting the support to talk about these issues can be really powerful. One other thing about the program that I didn't mention is that when the students are living together, we assign them um, four to five, depending on the size of the class, four or five upperclassmen serve as mentors who live in the building as well. And then the students are broken into small cohorts. So it's only like four or five students per mentor. So you also get a chance to build some really meaningful relationships with upperclassmen that can be really helpful too. So I think the relationships is number one. Um, I think just being able to know where your classes are, right? Like not feeling like which building is which or do I remember this campus maybe from when I visited or if you never got a chance to visit can be really helpful. Um, understanding resources is the third thing. And I always feel like this is the stuff that's maybe boring to potential students, but um, I think a lot of students come in and are like, well, I'll, if I need help, I'll just figure it out when I come. It can be really powerful, really helpful to say, okay, now I know exactly who I need to talk to, what hours that person is in the office, where that office is located, and maybe I've cracked a few jokes with this person or had a meal with that person. So I think it just boosts students' confidence. Um, and then internally, we measure things like retention rates and how well students are doing academically compared to students who didn't go through the program, which also have some positive outcomes. So. I love that. Yeah, thank you. Um, you also mentioned that you're serving low-income students um, through the Summer Bridge program. Um, what are resources after Summer Bridge that the university has for those students? Um, I know finances are a huge part in a huge conversation that we're having around college education. Mm -hmm. um, and OWU being a private institution, oftentimes it's expensive. So what are some resources that our low-income students have access to to kind of help them through the college experience? Yeah, so there are a lot of them. Um, first, again, we define whether a student is low-income um, based on whether they receive a federal Pell Grant. And I also want to say it can be really hard for students, families, anybody in our society, right, to talk about income status because it's something we feel like we need to be ashamed of. And when you come to college, especially a private college like OWU, it can create some real challenges and barriers, right? Um, and so it is important that we are talking about it, that we are destroying that stigma the same way we are destroying stigma around maybe like mental health and things like that so that folks can show up as their whole selves and not feel like they have to be ashamed. Um, so first and foremost, my office works closely with financial aid to help make sure students, one, understand their financial aid package and are maximizing it as best as possible. Um, so that's a really important thing. Number two, there are a number of different just like financial resources that OMSA and the Division of Student Engagement and Success help manage. So one, for example, is the WCSA Emergency Grant. Um, this is a grant that our student government created where students can get up to $1,000 in a year for medical bills, dental bills. Um, if you are using your car to get to and from like a job in the area or an internship, we can help with car repairs. If you um, are needing to travel back and forth to home for some type of personal reason. Maybe you help take care of a family member. Maybe um, you need to, I don't know, help run the family business or something. We can help with um, car gas. Um, we've helped students maybe from like California and Florida buy clothes for the winter. So that's something that we help manage. The Division of Student Engagement and Success, so not just OMSA, but the division also has a resource to help students buy books. It's on a first-come, first-served basis, and it restarts every semester. But um, 
let's say that you have $500 worth of books that you need to buy, but your budget is only $300, right? You can um, sign up for this resource and list the other books that you need, and then we can just provide them for you. There are a few restrictions, but we have other resources in place if that doesn't work out. Uh, so last December, we got a gift of $50,000 from an anonymous donor to start what's called the OMSA Success Fund. Students can use it to help cover tuition balances. Students can use it to buy books, and they can use it for things covered by the emergency grant like winter clothes, medical bills, dental wow. bills, stuff like that. The only caveat to that resource is that you have to use these other ones first because it is a $50,000 gift, which is a lot of money, but also, you know, um, it's not self-perpetuating. So it's not like interest-bearing. It's not going to refill itself. So you have to have tried to use the emergency grant first. You have to try to use the book resource first. But then if you've used all those things, you also have to have like gotten all of your financial aid first. But if you use all those things and you still have a need, then you can tap into this. And so if you have a $1,000 um, tuition balance that is stressing you out and your parents can't afford it and you can't get any more loans for it, if you've maximized your $1,000 for the emergency grant in one year, but then you still have another emergency, this is another resource in place. So we've been able to help. Uh, we've gotten um, 20 applications so far just in the last month of students, you know, trying to access that. Um, we've been able to help a few, still processing the rest. So yeah, just really exciting. So when you put all of that together, the emergency grant, the um, book fund, the OMSA success fund, and then we also have some other smaller um, private funds that have been created by alumni over the years, you know, we're really able to try to provide some support to students. We can't always cover everything, you know, nobody can, but we, we definitely try to go above and beyond. Um, all of these funds have different requirements about eligibility that I'm not going to get into today because it's just too complicated. But, you know, for our listeners as they're coming to OWU, if OWU is a place for them, then what I always tell people is like, if you have a need, don't worry about whether you think it can get fixed or not. Just ask for help. Come to the office um, and we will figure out the best we can to mm -hmm. support you. I think that's a, that's a really important anecdote there. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason I wanted to talk with you as well is we have these resources. They're mm -hmm. here, but not everyone knows about them. Yeah. And we want people to know that when you come here, there's help and there's guidance and there's people here that will help you. And now a short break for this week's rock solid advice from Ohio Wesleyan's 16th president, Rock Jones. Ohio Wesleyan has always valued diversity. Diversity allows us to see the world in different ways uh, through the eyes and the lives and the words and the experiences of people we know whose lives have been different from our own. And so all of us benefit when we find ourselves in the midst of diversity and difference with people who have different experiences, different perspectives, different religious expressions, different identities, uh, different national heritages, different racial backgrounds. We all are stronger human beings uh, because of the beautiful kaleidoscope of diversity. And we value that here at Ohio Wesleyan. We value the fact that we welcome students from all over the world. We welcome students from all walks of life. We welcome students from a variety of life experiences and backgrounds. We all learn from one another. And now, back to Bishop Banter. 
So, uh, we've covered a, a couple of the populations that you work with already. Um, the other two big ones that I wanted to touch on as well are um, the LGBTQIA plus students, um, students of color as well. Um, and I wanted to hear what your thoughts are on just how we help those students. I know we have, uh, like for me, I, when I was a student here, I mm -hmm. knew we had the House of Black Culture and I knew we had the Sexuality and Gender Equality House. Mm -hmm. but. Um, since I wasn't a part of those populations, that was the extent of my knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I'd love to know what other, what things do we have in place? What clubs or organizations or things do we do from your office that help? Yeah, so um, I work closely with both of those houses that you named. Just to be clear for folks who maybe aren't as familiar, um, the Sexuality and Gender Equality House is one of our small living units, what we call SLUs. There's also a Latinx uh, community, newer SLU called La Casa. And then the House of Black Culture is technically not a SLU because they are a lot older, but works in a similar way in terms of um, focused around a specific community with specific goals. So I work with all of those organizations. Um, there's also HOLD, House of Linguistic Diversity, and CAL, Citizens of the World, which also have some similar interests around diversity and social justice. Uh, the other physical space on campus we have is called the Willoughby Player Cultural Center, or the CAVES is colloquially known. I hate myself for using the word colloquially. That's not, you know, I'm talking about like, <laughs> too many faculty today. Like, most people call it the cave, uh, <laughs> which is just like a programming and meeting space in the basement of Sty, uh, Stuyvesant Hall, right across the street from the House of Black Culture. Um, there are a number of different student groups. OU has over 80 student groups currently. Um, some of those that work closely with my office are Tawheed, the Muslim Student Association. Um, Pride, our student association for LGBTQIA students, different from SAGE, right? So SAGE is a house, and then you can be a member of Pride, but you could be a member of Pride and not live in SAGE and vice versa, right? Um, let me think. The Asian Culture Club or Chinese Culture Club, um, Sisters United, which is like a group for women of color, the Black Student Union, Rafiki, which is more of our kind of broader African diaspora organization, so students who are maybe um, primarily identify as African or Caribbean. All of a sudden, I'm blanking on all the other groups, but we have a number of different student groups. Under OMSA specifically, there are two student-run resource centers. So one is called Spectrum, again, for our LGBTQIA students. And then we also have the Women's Resource Center, which does a lot of support for women and um, gender, not gender-related issues, but like healthy relationships, sexual violence. Um, I don't want to call them women's issues because obviously it's bigger than that, but those types of things. So the reason that's on my mind specifically just last week, um, the Women's Resource Center took the lead on partnering with Spectrum and an initiative called the Bishop Way, which is about healthy relationships and bystander intervention. And they celebrated National Condom Day. So we were passing out condoms, dental dams, and other materials, right, um, at the front of the student union. Um, those same three groups are partnering in a few weeks to bring I Heart the Female Orgasm to campus, which is like a national production, talking about not just sexual wellness, but specifically female pleasure and demystifying like the inherent sexism and women being able to primarily experience pleasure in sex, often in straight cis relationships, uh, or I should say cishet relationships. Uh, so there are a number of different like student-based initiatives. In terms of staff-led stuff, Unfortunately, it's really kind of OMSA. 
I take the lead, but I work with a lot of folks, right? So Res Life does their own initiatives. Student Involvement Office does their own initiatives. Um, I wish I could say we had a more robust kind of staff presence, but I think students are happy with what we do have. Um, so yeah, that's yeah. kind of it. Are you able to work with and, and help educate the others on campus in terms of, you know, the other staff members? You mentioned residence oh, life, things yeah. like that as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I do a lot of workshops and trainings um, with faculty and staff. A lot of my work with faculty and staff ends up behind the scenes reviewing policies. So we'll talk about, like, maybe with Res Life, for example, is the way they do selection, you know, the most inclusive, has it been inclusive, things like that. Um, there's a newer director of residence life. I've been here three years. He's been here too. So we've been able to work really closely to kind of rebuild some things over there that he was excited to change. Um, I will meet with different faculty when students have issues, maybe in the classroom, things being said, things not being said, micro and macro aggressions. So I do a lot of that work kind of more behind the scenes. I just love that there's so much education Mm -hmm. that you're doing on campus. And Mm -hmm. I think that that in helping professors and staff understand how they can be more inclusive in everything that they're doing. Um, I think our office in admission is having conversations, we could have more, um, is having conversations about how can we do outreach Mm -hmm. to students of color and to low-income students when we're having those financial aid conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I think those are lots of challenges, but also really rewarding experiences when we're able to find the resources and support for those students to have to get them here to Ohio Wesley and to have that experience. Yeah. So one one question I wanted to ask um, was: here at Ohio Wesley, and our students are empowered to speak up mm-hmm. uh, about things. And I wanted to know, you know, uh, on your end, because you you speak with a lot of students, you see a lot of these things. You know, are our students comfortable enough with our campus or you or, or anyone here to? Tell us when things need to change or when we need to re-review or revisit whether it's a policy or a system or or whatever it is on our campus. Do they feel that comfort? Uh, I mean, I think so. I think um, that's a really complicated question. (laughs) Are are there mechanisms? Yes. Do students feel comfortable speaking up? Yeah. And uh, here's what I usually say to folks. Mm -hmm. You know, Ohio Wesleyan is a small liberal arts predominantly white institution located in rural Ohio, Mm -hmm. right? Like that's who we are. And all of the things that a student or a family might assume come with being in that area do, right? Like that's just what it is. And it's not a unsafe place. It's not a place that students necessarily need to be afraid to walk down the street or to go to class or to participate in uncomfortable conversations with their peers. In fact, it's the opposite. Like, it's encouraged. It's a part of our fabric. It's something that the faculty, the staff, and I think students generally value and take seriously. It's not a perfect place, but nowhere is perfect, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not somewhere that is, I don't want to say that it's dangerous. It's not dangerous, but it's not more, I guess I would say it's not more or less dangerous than any other college campus in our nation. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I don't know about speaking up, but definitely in terms of like, what does it mean to come to OWU and will I feel safe at OWU? Will my student feel safe? I think you will feel safe. Um, you're definitely coming to a specific place and you mm-hmm. kind of just have to know that. But I think if families didn't already, the reason this is up for me is because like, I think sometimes internally our faculty and staff can be like afraid to talk about this, right? It's like, Oh, we don't mm-hmm. want to tell them 
it's like, well, they already know. Like, like we, right. we all live in this country. We all live on this planet. Like, they already know. So I think you just have to know that you're coming here. But I think if families and students weren't already okay with that, they wouldn't be looking at Woke in the first place. Right. You know what I mean? If they didn't think this was a place that was good, they just want to know that it is what they think it is, and the answer is yes to that. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think it's important to have that honesty. Yeah, Because, like you said, they already know. Absolutely. If we're not saying those things, they already know it kind of a thing. Yeah, and otherwise, like, then people feel lied to, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they feel like, you tried to convince me this was something it's not, and that doesn't help anybody succeed, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I think that's a good is a good piece of advice for prospective students to know as well, is that when you're looking at schools, to have that honesty, to look for that honesty, because you're going to be there for four years, it's going to be your home, and you want to know those things and be prepared for them when you make that decision. Too. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I know so many students who, I mean, do enjoy OWU and get the experience that they were hoping for, that small college feel that um, you know, or at least recognize so many people as you walk around campus. Um, that you really get to know your faculty members very closely, that you get maybe more attention, kind of to your point earlier, um, that you get more attention than you would if you were at, like, a public school. So all of those benefits are there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Um, and I like the conversation that we're having about not acting like we're perfect because mm-hmm. no institution is perfect. Right. And I think one of the ways that we're working really hard and one of the things that's more visible to the outside community and to our student body is the one Oh Woo mm-hmm. event that we had this fall. And I would love if you could elaborate more on what one Oh Woo is and how that initiative is carrying through in your office and other places on campus. Yeah, so last semester, our campus, along with a number of others in the area, Ohio State, Capitol, Otterbein, Ohio Dominican, uh, were targeted by this group called Patriot Front, which is kind of like a neo-Nazi, it's not kind of like it is, a neo-Nazi <laughs> organization um, that's been trying to increase its presence on campus. They just, they didn't physically show up, or at least not in a way that we could identify. They posted a bunch of stickers around campus trying to encourage folks to start a chapter, basically, of Patriot Front on our campus. Um, And so uh, the president, when it came to his attention that this had happened, called a bunch of different administrators together. Myself, the provost, who's our chief academic officer, so like the chief professor essentially on campus, the vice president for student engagement and success, a bunch of other folks, including our, myself and our chief diversity officer, whose name is Juan Rojas. Um, and after some discussion, we decided to just bring the community together for an event that we called One Obu to kind of respond to those stickers. Because even though they're just stickers, right, it's like still folks trying to make a specific case, make a specific feeling on campus about who, and, and the stickers had a lot of language about like, who this land belongs to, right, and whose university this is and whose nation this is. Um, So the idea of the event was just to kind of respond to that and to be very clear about what our values are as an institution. Um, Now, I want to pause there, and I got to give, like, the – I want to make a clear caveat about, like, our value of free speech and that any student can start any group that they want to and that no one's going to say you can or can't have a group based on an idea – and um, I think OWU is a place that very much feels like while you have the right to start that and we will support that right, as an institution, we also have the right to say what we stand for, right? And so um, standing against not just white supremacy, but Nazism and fascism and all of those types of things. So the event was an opportunity for different students, faculty, and staff to kind of have their voices heard about 
this incident, about this movement that's happening around our nation and specifically in this area. Um, we created posters that name different forms of oppression, specifically racism, xenophobia, transphobia, ableism, um, sexism, and just talk, posted those around campus, kind of pushing back on all of these things. Um, and the chief diversity officer, Juan, he his group, which is called the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Council, has been working to plan other events and initiatives to kind of keep that spirit going. I know since the One Owu event, the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Council, which uh, Juan Rojas oversees, our chief diversity officer oversees, has um, been launching some training for faculty around diversity and inclusion, more training for faculty. And um, the students that sit on the council recently led a microaggressions project, so asking or inviting students to excuse me, anonymously write different micro and macroaggressions they've experienced on campus and are trying to gather those stories for some increased programming around that. So those are just two of the things that they've been doing to keep it going. But I love that a huge part of your job is helping all students on campus take advantage of the opportunities that we talk about over an admission. Because I think mm -hmm. that we talk a lot about, yes, these opportunities are guaranteed to students, but they have to to some extent, they have to go out and they have to apply and they have to look for these opportunities once they're here on campus. And I love that you're here as a support system to help them and guide them into those opportunities to be successful while they're here and post-grad well, as well. Thank you. And I'm learning more and more about how much you all do with that too, right? Like you're telling them about it before they get here as they're making their decision. You're helping them kind of build or create that map that they're then going to follow. I'm just kind of there along the way to say, okay, turn right and keep going left. <laughs> watch out for this trap. a little more than that. No. <laughs> Thanks. It's a team, it's a team effort. Yeah. yeah. It's a team effort. Yeah. 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 Well, I guess one bigger question to kind of finish things up, um, you know, what, what piece, what piece or pieces of advice mm -hmm. would you give to students uh, in, in those populations that you work with or, or just any student mm -hmm. when they're looking at choosing that school, making that decision, and, and ultimately coming to college? You know, what pieces of advice would you get? Yeah. I think the first thing is you have to just trust your instinct, kind of follow your heart. Like, is, what does your heart tell you about where you want to be, you know? Every campus offers... There are some basic things that every campus offers. Every campus is going to offer academic advising. Every campus that, you, that you're interested in will offer your major or something similar to it, right? But there's, at the end of the day, a feeling you get on different campuses in terms of the people you meet. And I think that's, number one, the most important thing. Um, I will say number two is to really look at your financial aid package. I think it's important for students to be more aware than they often are about not just debt, but just how is it going to feel from semester to semester, year to year, coming into any institution. Um, and I think that's where I would assume, I know folks like yourselves and admissions can be really helpful. OMSA is happy to help. And then, of course, reaching out to the financial aid office itself. Um, and then this is kind of maybe a harder one, but I would encourage students to think about, like, what is one thing I really want to experience while in college? Not something you want to do, because I think when you think about it, like, what's something I want to do while I'm in college? That often sounds academic and professional. Like, what class do I want to take? What internship do I want to get or whatever for my future career? But, like, what's something you want to experience? Is it 
some type of trip, doing service, or something you saw in a movie that when you were a kid that made you say, I can't wait to go to college to do that, right? <laughs> like, what is something that you really want to experience? And make sure that the place you're looking at has that. Now, I would bet that whatever it is, it will probably have something like it, if not the thing itself. Um, but I think those three things. Where do, I, where do I really want to go? What's my financial package going to look like? And then do they have the experiences that I, I want to have when I get there? Cool. Well, well, thanks, Charles, for joining us. Thank you. Um, These are a lot of resources that students can use, and and we want to to be open and and out there to find them and to get there. Um, So anyone that's coming to OU, come see Charles. Come say hi. Yes, absolutely. We're over in – I'm over in Hamwell, which is our campus center on the second floor. Um, When students get off the elevator or the stairs, there is an office with a glass front window like a fishbowl. That's our main reception area. Um, my two student employees are right to the side of that office, and then the Spectrum Resource Center and the Women's Resource Center are all around the corner. So we're all right there within a two-yard distance of each other. Please come by and say hi anytime. All right. Perfect. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Thank you all. Thank you, and yeah. uh, we'll see you around campus. Go Bishops. Woo! Woo! Oh. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening. Tune in next time for some more Bishop Banter. And make sure to check us out at OU Admission on Instagram and Twitter. And find us wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you next time.